0: Blob Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: Fantasy paleontologist here. No, not that kind of dino. Fantasy football. Talking about dynasty fantasy football. All the implications. All the news. There is no off season when you play dynasty fantasy football. My name is Cal. I am at DinoCastCal on Twitter. Hit me up if you can. And I am joined, as always, by the amazing and comparable. Mr. Mike Valverde at RFL Red Zone
2: on Twitter. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great, Kyle. How about yourself? Well, I was doing great until I read about all this uh, Shady McCoy news, and uh, I'm. It, it kind of dampens your day when, when you read about superstars that are great athletes and do great things, and they're still due process, so I don't want to put the blame on them yet, but uh, it doesn't look good, let's put it that way. What, what, are, what are your thoughts on this whole situation?
1: Dude, you are – I mean, like, talk about ruining your day. I, so I'm in, a, I'm in a couple of pretty active dynasty leagues, and, um, and I get a message on one of the apps, and it just says, whoa, trade all your LaShawn McCoy shares now while you can. And I was like, oh, no, what happened? And I guess, you know, it's funny that your first thoughts go to PEDs. They go to, you know, something, something like that. So I guess initially I wasn't thinking quite as much of it. But then I get to a place and I'm like, oh, let me go check that out. And I pulled up and I saw the picture of, I guess it's his girlfriend that was posted yeah. by – Her friend and you know, I I all I know is what her friend posted there and the accusations. I mean, there is dark things there that you talk you're right, ruin your day kind of things that just make you see the darkness and the bottomness of humanity when you've got a guy that can step on a stage, you know, like the NFL and get all the accolades and get all the praise. And if he is going home at the end of the day, And he's beating his dog, beating his child, beating his wife. I mean, there was an accusation of steroids mixed into that. Uh, Dude, that is really serious stuff. And it just, you know, like you said, there's due process. There's all that. I would be kind of surprised if, if that is one of those things where there's just nothing to it. You hate to jump the gun and all that, but that is kind of the power of accusations today. And you look at this and, you know... You don't, I don't know what kind of motivation her, this friend would have to post something like this other than to try to care for and protect her own friend. That's a really rough, terrible thing. I hope it's not true. I hope those pictures are fabricated and fake. I hope there's nothing to it. That would be amazing. Um, but things normally go. it's hard to see that this going any other way than him being in a not just him being in a whole lot of trouble missing football games, but man, he's just in a really dark place of life in general.
2: Yeah. I I mean, if any of that, like you're saying, any of that is true then because you, you have drugs, you have abuse, not only to um, your girlfriend, wife, or whatever she is to, to your child. I mean, wow. I mean, I, I know, I know shady has been outspoken and, he's always sort of been a person that is shown somewhat of bravado, whether it's been towards his ex coaches or to the police or to whatever. He's, he's never been someone who's been afraid to show his colors and show, uh, you know, step into the forefront and, and this, this sort of kind of fits with his personality that we've seen, but, I, I really don't want to put something on somebody like this if they didn't do it because, wow, I mean, that that's how serious it is. it's is. Let's find out the truth first before because these allegations are just strict and harmful to not only to him but to everybody else involved. And I just hope that it isn't true. I hope it's like another Reuben Foster kind of situation where, None of this is going on, but underneath, you know, when those lights turn off on the football field, you you never know what's happening. Yeah, it
1: just shows you you never, you never know what's really going on with someone, and, you know, we're all, you know, we're all, um, I guess, in our most vulnerable moments, capable of things. Thankfully, you know, we, thankfully most of us, don't and thankfully most of us uh, think better but there are certainly times and you know this is in no way shape or form meant to be a you know in no way is this meant to be a LaShawn McCoy um, uh, sympathizer in this but I do think brain injuries need to be taken more seriously than they have been and I think you know somebody with something like this they are not sane. They're not in a good place mentally and mental health. This is someone who doesn't, who's having emotions or having things that they don't, they don't. And maybe, maybe it is taking steroids. Maybe it is having all this adrenaline and things like like that, that this testosterone that they don't know what to do with. And then they're set off by little things, but they need help, man. They like, if they're going out there and they're getting these brain injuries, like I, I, I would just love to see, more done about that I know that's just like that people say Um, they want more done and then you know there's a little bit done but then just never seems like football is a violent game and you know sometimes the cost can be not only a lot for the athlete themselves but anybody within their orbit and anybody that comes around them and it really is it can be Like in a scenario like this, if all this is true, just absolutely tragic. And, you know, a guy that maybe without all those head injuries, maybe he doesn't doesn't go this far. Maybe he never gets to that place. But, you know, and maybe he does and maybe that's not. But I just – that was another one of my thoughts. And all this is fresh and new. But another one of my thoughts is just, you know, brain injuries and how serious it is. Not just for the protection of the athletes themselves, but for their families, and things like that too, so
2: yeah exactly and and that was one of my thoughts too was could this be a if true, could this be a direct result of c t e and that's usually what is the direct result of c t e is these kind of violent behaviors and actions, so and it's and that's all like you were mentioning earlier about correlation of brain injury so it, it's it's a tough situation regardless of of what's going on
1: so man um you know i guess to uh to go ahead and change the subject and move us on to some more uh lighter areas yeah. of of discussion um i wanted to check in with you and just see i know um both of us play in dynasty leagues we both enjoy the process of playing in dynasty leagues and we play in some redraft leagues and, I just wanted to check in with you. Um, are you, do you have a lot of leagues going on right now? Do you Are you involved in any rookie slow drafts? Do you have, what's, what's the status of your leagues and where they
2: are at this point? Uh, well, there's, I have one league that's active right now that we sort of went, uh, discussed a little bit last week. Um, that's the only league that's active right now. Come, Shortly I'll be in two others and all three of these leagues will be are all startup leagues. Start up dynasty leagues. So um the one I'm the one that is active right now is kinda interesting because it's not only a dynasty league, it's a Debbie league, and not only is it Dynasty Debbie League, it's also a rookie league. And not only is it Dynasty Debbie rookie, but it's also IDP. So it's very Oh wow. Very interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. So,
1: are you in a in the middle of your rookie draft now or where where where's what's the process like? Where are you at with that one?
2: Right now we're in round what is it 15 I believe or 16? Um no, we're really even a bit later than that. We're around 18. Gotcha.
1: Very cool. And
2: that's that startup
1: thing interesting from any interesting takeaways from that or anything that's jumped out at t- to you that's,
2: that that uh, has kind of caught you by surprise uh, what I think what caught me by surprise the most was how early debut picks went the first I believe the first Debbie pick went in round nine wow. and there was a few a few others that went a few other Debbie picks that went right after that so i I, I thought there was a lot more talent in the NFL to put your wagon to, but I don't know. Debbie seems to be a pretty exciting thing with these guys. So they, um, right. you know, nine through that's about something nine I'm through gonna have to.
1: People. I'm going to have to find me a Debbie League to get in, because that's one thing I don't have. Uh, I, I don't have it. That probably would enhance my – fantasy football experience probably the only thing I haven't done when it comes to fantasy football you know I've done the the best ball I've done some DFS stuff I've done dynasty leagues and I've done two QBs I've done you know just about anything you can name I guess but no Debbie so that's one of the things I need to get into well I am in I'm in one that we're having our rookie draft right now and it's, it's IDP there's a there's 12 teams and uh Curious your thoughts on a move that I made now this relating to wide receivers, but I want to get your take on it anyway, before we get into this talk and see what you think. Did did I, did I make a good move? We are in the, we're in the third round of our rookie. And in this league, you can do rookies, you can do veterans. It can be, you know, a little bit of anybody who's a free agent at all can be drafted. So we get to the third round, and on this team, I've got, I've got a couple of holes. Um, I, it's a team that I've inherited. It was a fairly good team uh, in the first round. I don't know if you want to, maybe you want to comment on this too. But I'll give you my my first three picks and see what you think. But my in the first round, I took Lamar Jackson at pick number eleven. That might be a little oh, it's it's a two QB league, so uh, a little okay. bit of uh, insight there. But he, but that but. Lamar was the first quarterback off the board. So I had Baker available. I had Darnold available. I had Rosen available. And I went with Lamar Jackson and then came come the third round. Another position that I don't have a lot of depth on is tied in. I had back-to-back picks at the very end of the third round. And I took George Kittle and okay. Ricky Steele Jones okay, out of Arizona. Uh-huh. So just curious how would you um you know at that point in the third round there weren't a lot of wide receivers and running backs available uh I was gonna take Kiki Kuti Kute, Kute. but uh uh-huh. he was he he went right before me um and I got a little bit of flack man there were some of the guys who were like oh I was hoping Ricky Fields Jones would fall to the fifth round and I got a little bit <laughs> of pushback on whether or not he was worth that pick what do you think is, you know, I just want to comment on me taking Lamar in the, you know, as, the as the first Q first rookie QB. But what about Ricky Phils Jones? I've read a lot of really good things about him. I like the reports I'm hearing. What do you think about nabbing him there, the third round of a rookie veteran draft?
2: I, you know, he's one of those guys that you probably could have waited on, but by the end of the by not the end of the draft. By the beginning and middle and the end of the season, I think people are going to forget about that because of his performance on the field. So I think there's a really big leap there where, okay, well, you know, it's a little bit early, but once they start watching him put up points, then it's going to turn into a great pick. I, it's He's, he's such a uh, – I don't know how to say it. He's just very – uh black and white. He's either gonna be really good or really bad. And the Arizona offense right now is kind of open in the air. There's it's we don't really know too much about what's gonna happen. There's not there's not a lot of weapons which speaks well for Ricky Seal Jones. Um right. You know, um I I don't wanna say it's a bad pick. Uh, I just think it's, it's an early pick and I don't think you should have just their flack. I think it's just one of those where it's like, um, yeah, that's a little early, but it's not so early where, where it's like, wow, that guy, you know? So I think it's just a lot of people not knowing who he is is why you got the flack. I should, I should say. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I'm kind of curious on that. I mean, and this is a new group of guys for me. It's, it's not a group of guys I've played with, uh, kind of connected with them on Twitter. And, um, you know, they, they – I mean, they all seem nice. And, you know, I, 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 like, I like the back and forth. And I don't mind taking the, taking the heat. They just, there wasn't a whole lot of guys I was really excited about. Uh, a lot of the guys, the rookies that I really liked were gone. And, you know, I saw an opportunity to potentially – enhance my team a little bit and you know the Cardinals did not go out and add a wide receiver uh or add a tight end in the offseason so he is their their guy and there's been a lot of reports about how good he's looked and what he's been doing and Mm -hmm. you know that's uh I'm excited about that so we shall see so anyway what about Lamar Jackson as do what
2: he played last he played well last year too
1: yeah, yeah. What do you think about the possibility of, um, of, or the fact that I took Lamar Jackson as the first QB in a rookie draft?
2: I don't have any problems with it. I I really don't see, uh, Sam Darnold or uh, Josh Allen being much of anything. Uh, I really have a bad grades on them. The only one that I I'd probably go over is Josh Rosen. I think. Josh Rosen is probably going to be the best quarterback in this draft. But Josh Rosen doesn't give you the fantasy value that Lamar Jackson's going to give you. So the only problem with Lamar Jackson, of course, is who's in front of him. And if right. you're banking on him for long, long-term long value, then, you know, in the Dynasty League, you know, and you're okay with him not being um, a quarterback this year because he probably – He'll get in some plays, but I, don't, I, just don't see, I just don't see him taking over the starting position. So if you're okay with that, then it's a great pick. It's only not a good pick if you're hoping that he's going to be your starting quarterback this year.
1: Yeah, no, I've got other guys that are going to be my QBs, and so he is going to, you know, as much time as he needs to develop. And, uh, you know, I think I've been saying all along, I think Joe Flacco is the most boring quarterback. In the NFL, and I hope he, um, I hope he has an opportunity to hold a clipboard this year, and Lamar Jackson ends up uh, livening up that offense a bit. So we shall see. And but enough about my team. I guess hey, nobody really cares. Hopefully, may- maybe that'll help. I know a lot of guys are involved in their rookie drafts right now and going through some of that, trying to figure out where they value everybody. And and uh, certainly if if uh, that is one of you, and you're out there, you're looking trying to figure out what you're going to do with your picks would love the opportunity to help. So hit us up on, on Twitter at our aforementioned handles. So we are going to today get into wide receivers. We spoke a little bit about that before we had um, to stop, to discuss the merits of Derek Jeter and Floyd Mayweather and whether they could play running back (laughs) for the green Bay Packers. (laughs) And that was really funny. I loved that. And so, but we got into a little bit of the wide receivers. We basically cover pretty close to the top 10 and, um, uh, and that's top 10 as far as ADP right now, according to fantasy pros. So Mike, if your game, I'd like to pick up from there and start talking about some of these wide receivers in that next year. What do you think?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's do that.
1: All right. So, let me first – I'm, I'm going to read these – I'm going to read these five, and then let's get into some of these a little bit as we go. But number 11 is right now, according to Fantasy Pro's ADP, is Adam Thielen. Then there's Doug Baldwin. Then 13, really interesting to me, T.Y. Hilton. 14, Stephon Diggs. And 15, Amari Cooper. I see a lot – like, out of those five guys, what – strikes me about these five guys I see four guys who I expect to have between 85 to 100 catches uh, assuming Amari Cooper uh, is what John Gruden thinks he is and says he is and doing what some of us expect that he may can do out there in Oakland you know between 85 and 100 catches is maybe the expectation T.Y. Hilton is definitely not that type of player I, I, I think he's got maybe the most upside for yardage but He's more of a of a deep threat. Go get the ball, you know. More average yards per target, and all those different things. But curious, what you think about those five? Who's your favorite amongst that group? And and what do you think about Ty Hilton? Does he belong there, or is is he a little bit too risky to take in the top fifteen?
2: You know, I think a lot of Ty Hilton being at, at that slot is due to the fact that people are worried about Andrew Luck, uh, and what he's gonna perform. I think if they went in with the mindset that Andrew Luck's gonna play, then he wouldn't be at seventeen. He'd be in at least in the top ten, if not higher. Um and I being top ten isn't is in gracious in saying, Okay, well that's that's his floor, his top ten. Um, I think he really is a top I don't know five through seven receiver um so i obviously think that 17 is way too low and if you're having a draft and he's available at that spot then i would have no problems pulling the trigger there so uh obviously he's my number one guy at that position and then what's interesting that i've noticed about wide receivers and i don't know if you've seen this too it it doesn't happen like enough where it's a pattern but it's enough to say okay there's there's plenty of people out here that think that Adam Thielen is going to out, outperform Stefan Diggs. And I was wondering your thoughts on that, where I've seen it a few times now, enough to go, okay, okay, this can be a thing. Um, what's your thoughts? Do you think that, that uh, Diggs is going to outperform Thielen or, or the other way around?
1: Man, that's one of those interesting ones that, I, like, I can't wait to watch that play out. Uh, I don't know if we learned too much in the preseason with that, but I can't wait to watch it play out in the regular season because we don't really know. We know that the offense and how it worked with Case Keenum. We know how it worked when Sam Sam Bradford was in there. So, But we don't really know what it's going to look like with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is definitely a, a different type of quarterback. He's going to make a connection with, with i would assume he'll make a connection with someone over the other because he really did not Kirk cousins did not produce two solid fantasy wide receivers from the redskins last year or the year before um the year before i can't remember if if maybe the year before he did deshaun jackson and was there that time and uh but that might have been that might have been the only guy that was really relevant for him at that time i'll have to go back and and check that but my 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 thoughts initially on Kirk cousins is he just he's not the kind of guy who would support necessarily a couple of wide receivers now he likes to check down to the tight ends he checked down to his running backs a good bit um and can spread the ball around that way but he seems like the kind of guy that likes to lock in a little bit more with one wide receiver over the other which means that one of these guys is not going to be a huge value now maybe the offensive system is different and maybe that's maybe there is going to be some fixes for that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put all my eggs in, in that particular basket, but uh, I'm going to be watching for that. If I had to say which one I thought was, was more talented, I would say Stefan Diggs. even though Adam Thielen has proven to be, you know, immensely talented. I think Stefan Diggs is one of the top 14, 15 most talented wide receivers in the league. I think Stefan, I think, you know, Adam Thielen, they're trying to take away from him. He's probably in the top 20, 25. But I, you know, I, and typically in situations like this where you don't, no one can really know exactly what's going to happen. No one can know exactly what the future holds here. You just kind of have to pay attention to what the beat writers are saying, what people are watching practice are saying, who's he connect, making a connection with, and try to listen for that. But outside of that information, my motto is always bet on talent. And, you know, unless I'm wrong, you know, you have you have a beef with that? Do you think Adam Thielen is more talented than Diggs or what?
2: You know, I I think that it's hard to tell because Diggs is so so athletic um and such a sportsman that it it peers higher that that Diggs is is better athletic than Thielen, but um it is <laughs> I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be a really tight situation. I I don't I, my my what, how I'm gonna how I'm going to address the situation is knowing my league and knowing which league I'm in. Hopefully, when you're drafting, you're in a league that you've been in before, not a startup or something like that. But if you're in a league that you know your league mates, this is one of those where I love to see who goes first. So my bet in my league that I know very well is Diggs is going to go first and then I'm going to jump on Thielen. I, I don't think you can go wrong with any, either one of those guys, to be honest. Uh, I, th- I think um, they're both going to put up solid numbers and they're going to be close by the end of the year. Even I'm even willing to, to double down and go with both Diggs and Thielen on my team and seeing how that progresses. But – touchdowns are probably weren't going to be there with Kirk Cousins because he's sort of not a – he's sort of like Matt Ryan in a way where when he gets low to the end zone, you know, he becomes allergic to throwing touchdowns. So, um, but, yeah, I wouldn't mind having either one of those guys, and that's how I'm going to approach it is whenever Diggs goes off the board, then Thielen's going to be my next wide receiver chosen right after that.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at um... – so it'd be really another interesting part of this is Pat Shermer not being there as their offensive coordinator, and they brought in John DeFilippo.
2: Filippo? Oh, DeFilippo. Yeah. Yeah,
1: from the Eagles as their mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. So, um, you know, that'd be really uh, that's that's kind of a curious thing as I'm as I'm looking at this now and thinking, um, you know what. How's that offense going to reshape itself? And what do you, what do you think about, I guess, them adding in this guy from the Eagles and what's that going to do to
2: their, uh, to their offense? I think they're going to spread the ball around quite a bit. He, as far as what I've read about him and, and Frank Reich is that Filippo ran most of the offense, um, did most of the plays and Reich was sort of uh, a contributor. He wasn't really the, the main offense coordinator guy. So I don't know how much that's true or what or just people talking uh, but just looking at that Eagles offense from last year, you could totally see that it was spread around and sort to see the same thing where it's not one player is going to get the majority of, the, of their targets. It's yeah. Cook and Rudolph and Diggs and Thielen and all those guys that are going to be heavily involved. I like, I like uh, Rudolph more because if you look at Ertz, Ertz really had a great season last year. So if that same theory applies to the Vikings and it should, then Rudolph should have a great year uh, as well. It's interesting. I'm looking at some of this and, um,
1: One thing that may help make a decision if you're in a dynasty startup and you're trying to decide between those two things, at the start of this season, Stephon Diggs is going to be 24 years old. I want you to guess how old you think Adam Thielen is going to be at the start of the season here,
2: 2018. Well, I know he's older than 25 because I'm doing a 25 under 25. And so I'm going to say –
1: Twenty seven. Yes, he'll be twenty eight. He's twenty seven right now. He'll be twenty eight by the time the season starts. And yeah, you're right. Like I, I guess you think of him as a guy that just burst onto the scene and I, I would have guessed they were somewhere around the same age, but four years of difference is pretty big. So that would definitely tip the scales for me in a dynasty league. I'd rather have Diggs than Sealand. But you know, I agree with you as I'm, as I'm looking at this, I I agree with you that I I do think Thielen and dig both are worth investing in pretty early and, and pretty heavily even. And I think, I think that's going to be a fun offense to watch. We're certainly going to, that's, that's one of the more exciting teams that I'm, you know, for me to watch because there are different things with their running backs that I can't wait to see shake out. I'm excited to see how cousins looks elsewhere. Uh, Did, did, you know, I don't think any of us knows, but you know, was he helped by the Redskins or was he held back by the Redskins? I could believe both, and yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays itself out. And what about? It's an interesting situation there in Seattle. Doug Baldwin—it just always seems like he catches a million passes and ends up with a lot of touchdowns. He's got Brandon Marshall there. I don't know that you'd be too worried about that. They add Jeron Brown. They've got you know, just obviously they have Rashad Penny and they just have all the running backs and hopefully maybe some of them can play offensive line for them. But, uh, but maybe there's been a little bit of improvement there too. What do you think about Doug Baldwin? Is he clearly the leader there? No Jimmy Graham to steal touchdowns from them. Do you think, you think this ends up being a wide receiver one type of a year for Doug Baldwin?
2: You know, it's hard as much as, someone like Jimmy Graham will steal opportunities away from Doug Baldwin. He also creates opportunities for Doug Baldwin as well. And with really nobody on the opposite side of Doug Baldwin to take the pressure off, then I think you're going to see a lot of two man coverage or at least some safety help coming around on, on man coverage. And Doug Baldwin isn't the fastest of guys. uh, He's probably one of the slowest of receivers, but He runs great routes and he, he has hands of glue. So he's going to catch a lot of passes. I, I, I don't see him copying what he did last year. I see a a regression happening. um, And that's, that's going to be pretty, pretty downfall. I, I really don't have a lot of high hopes for Doug Baldwin this year as, as he did last year. So if you're going to minus maybe 20 20 receptions and you know a couple touchdowns i think that's probably where he's going to end up at uh also i think they're going to go more with a running game definitely russell wilson's going to be running the ball also as you mentioned rashad penny is going to take away and plus penny can catch the ball a little bit so that's going to take away from doug baldwin and as much pressure as Wilson's going to get, he has someone he can dump the ball off to. So that's going to be really important for for Wilson and going to take away from Baldwin. Uh, I just don't like it. I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Baldwin. I think he does a lot of great things. I just don't have a lot of high hopes for him to continue what he did last year. I, I just definitely see him regressing um, at least 10% yeah. from the receptions and a couple touchdowns.
1: Doug Baldwin turns... 30 during the season this year so another guy i would say in dynasty leagues that there's there are a number of guys here underneath him that i would rather draft in a startup so for instance when you do that dynasty startup and you're on the clock and doug baldwin is there and let's say you got to choose between doug baldwin Allen robinson and juju smith schuster which one of those guys would you yeah. want I think
2: the goal Ooh, comes in line on that group, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love Juju Smith-Schuster. I think that dude is, is going to be just rad. and I like, I, he's he's up there with Antonio Brown. Talking about you know, uh, number one giving number two some breathing room to do what he needs to do. Antonio Brown, everybody's going to be on his side, covering him, and going to leave Juju wide open. And I, I really think that. Miss Schuster can put up top 10 numbers this year, so I'm all about the juju. Yeah, me too.
1: Now, a guy that had a really disappointing year last year, it's hard to believe, looking at it, that it was actually this bad. 48 catches, 680 receiving yards, he did have seven touchdowns, but Amari Cooper, 24 years old, he actually just made 24, so... He's young, core in Oakland, new system, got John Gruden in town now, very old school, uh, expecting him to run the ball. But according to John Gruden, they plan on giving him a heck of a lot of work. What do you think, Amari Cooper, When you when you envision what's going to happen this year, do you picture it being more like his 2017 or his 2016 was – 83 catches, 1153 yards, five touchdowns. Which one do you think is it going to be closer to 16 or closer to 17 for Cooper?
2: I, I think it's going to be closer to 2017. I I just really have a wow. hard time hitching my wagon to to yeah. Look at look at Amari Cooper because of John Gruden, you know, and that's what they're saying. That's what a lot of people are saying. Is is that is. John Gruden is coming in and he's going to make Amari Cooper a great weapon. Well, if you're relying on, on a coach to make a wide receiver, a great weapon, then there's obviously a problem there. Uh, The wide receiver should be a great weapon all by himself. Uh, So they're going to create magic. I, I just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see Amari Cooper being anything more than a number two and just decreasing from there. So, he's i don't I, last time I looked at rankings for Dynasty, he was one of the top. I don't know where he is at now, but I've never liked him. I've always put him low on the list. Um, I've always been a negative on him, and even even in 2016, if you look at his per game stats, you can see that he had and then most of them were poor games. Um, he's never been consistent, and he surely wasn't consistent last year. And he's been beaten out by Michael Crabtree, even though he's not with the Raiders anymore. The last, I think, three years prior. So, how good is he really? I just, I just can't buy into into seeing him as as anything more than a number two wide receiver right now in Dynasty.
1: Man, that's really he's such a difficult read for me because I don't think the talent. Just ran away. I mean, you know, he came into the league his first year, 72 catches, 1,070 yards, six touchdowns. He looked like a star in the making. Next year, it builds on that. 83 catches, 1,153 yards, five touchdowns. And then to take that and step back as as big as he stepped back, I was just looking at this. He had almost a full third of his total yards came in the week 11 against Kansas City. He had 210 yards in that game. And – oh, week seven, excuse me. 11 catches, 210 yards, two touchdowns. Basically, 25 to 30 percent of his total season production came there in one week. If he doesn't have that game, I mean, he – I mean, that is just a – you talk about a terrible year. Um, But what – like, how does a guy go from being able to put up 1,100 – over a thousand yards, two years in a row to for, to go less than seven hundred. Is that talent just gone, or do you think that maybe those first couple of years of numbers were inflated? Like, how do you how do you reconcile that?
2: Well, I think in the last couple of years his his numbers have been inflated. I, I he he's just had some really great games and it it pushed up his numbers so when you're looking at 72 receptions and 83 receptions you know that's all good but how many did he get in those games you know uh, and excuse me in consecutive games right so if he's putting in 10 receptions in game three and then he's putting in 10 receptions in game seven and that's already twenty receptions on top of what he did in between those weeks, even though those might be two and three. So you're building; you're still building receptions. You're just not consistent, and I think that's been his issue: is the fact that he just hasn't been a consistent receiver through, throughout his career. Um, I'm looking at at his numbers, and he he had in 2000. I think this was 16 he started off pretty, pretty good five receptions and seven and eight and all that kind of stuff, um, all the way through week nine. And then he fell off. I mean, he had one week with seven, the rest weren't four and under, um, and those kind of weeks, you know, it's just horrible. And it's it sort of, it's sort of, I mean, we, we sort of talked about Jerry Maguire a little bit last week, but, it reminds me of this. It reminds me of Jerry Maguire in the very beginning of Jerry Maguire when he talks he, – he has an uh, opening monologue, monologue, and he says that people with talent sometimes pop, sometimes don't. And Mar- Mark Cooper might just not be one of those um, players that pop. He just he just has all that talent, but it just never, never works out for him. I don't know. We'll find out this year, but um, – I just say, yeah, I'm not going to deny the talent of Amari Cooper. I just don't think it will ever pop.
1: Yeah, I wonder if the offense held him back last year. You know, obviously the drops are a big issue, big part of his game. and But, you know, that's a part of a lot of guys' games. I, I don't know if we notice it, obviously, and would point it out more with a guy that has that big of a drop-off. But um, I wonder about the offense. I wonder if he – I wonder what this – with this new scheme again like you said it's not like it's a scheme that i have a lot of confidence in but i wonder if maybe the emphasis on hey you're our guy and we're going to build around you and all that that, that's the kind of thing that i am looking for as a fantasy owner to say i want those guys that the coaches are saying i'm going to build around you and sometimes it was going to work out. Maybe it doesn't. This is a very, really risky one. You don't usually see a guy coming off of a down year like that. And then you hear a coaching staff talking about how they're going to build around them. But that's where we are with this one. And it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So one thing that played out really well for fantasy owners this past year is finally they got a chance to see Mr. Josh Gordon back on the field. He was yeah. – uh, he was great like he was you know he certainly this off season has looked like <clears throat> excuse me everything we would hope that he w- could be what are your expectations in a brand new offense with a brand new quarterback and lots of new friends in, at the wide receiver position what do you expect to see with Josh Gordon this season
2: Ooh, that's going to be a really tough one uh, Baker Mayfield is probably going to be the quarterback sooner than later if not starting at week one so how well does a rookie quarterback respond to that kind of pressure is going to be definitely key i'm i'm obviously in a dynasty league i'm definitely uh all about josh gordon i think he's just going he you know his talent talking about talent but he's also proven his talent so I'm all I'm all about Josh Gordon um, as long as he doesn't screw up again. Um, in the long term, this year I would avoid him altogether. I just I just don't see it. I, I see Jarvis Landry this year, and then fading off uh, where John, Josh Gordon takes over. So if you're looking at just this year in your dynasty leagues, then Jarvis Landry is your guy. Josh Gordon for future um, in your dynasty leagues.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, and you know, it's funny. Josh Gordon has been such a such a name in fantasy for so long; it feels like he's been around forever. But (laughs) excuse me again, gosh, he he just turned twenty seven. I mean, you know, that's he's got a few years of of relevance here in fantasy still. So, still a fairly young guy, considering it feels like he's been around for ten years. You know, so um, would you so would you want Josh Gordon or Clearly, you would take him over Amari Cooper, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: What about between him or Savon Diggs or Adam
2: Thielen? That's a a tough one. Uh, I think I'd go with Diggs and Thielen over over, over Gordon. Gordon or Doug Baldwin? Gordon this year, for sure.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think I got to go Gordon either way dynasty as well
2: um
1: okay really good so i, I want to that's uh that's basically 11 through and josh gordon is 16 i want to take this next to you because this is a really interesting group lots to talk
2: about with these but before guys. B- before you go there let me yeah. interrupt you for a second i want to get your take on that on those guys and gordon what, what what are your thoughts
1: yeah i like gordon a lot i you know the one thing that's a little worrying to me is I have been thinking and saying for a while that I think Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry were, they might as well have been made in a lab together and fit in well, because I think a lot of the things that Jarvis Landry does, does well, I think Baker Mayfield is the right quarterback for that. A lot of things that Baker Mayfield does Jarvis Landry is just kind of the right guy. So you know, there's just a lot of things that, you know, Jarvis Landry is such a polarizing dynasty guy because you've got, you've got the numbers that are pretty incredible. You've got the last three years, he's got, let's see, 200, no, three, in three years, he's got the last three years, 325 catches. That's a lot of catches in three wow. years. And 1,150 yards, 1,136, and then last year dipped down to 987, but basically playing with you or me at quarterback last year. Yeah, pretty much. Jake Cutler, (laughs) you know. But uh, he did have nine touchdowns last year. So even even despite being a little bit down on his yardage, career record in catches and career high in touchdowns, now he goes to this new offense that – you know, to me, there's just a lot to be excited there. Now, if we start the year with Tyrod Taylor, and let's say, let's say the craziest thing that we can imagine right now happens, and Tyrod Taylor plays well enough to keep that job all year, then I would expect this to be the worst year of Jarvis Landry's career, because yeah. I, I don't think that. I don't think that Tyrod Taylor is made as much for a guy like Jarvis Landry. He, he did seem very hesitant to go over the middle a lot last year and the year before. He certainly, back when, he, when Tyrod Taylor worked with Sammy Watkins, there were lots of games where it seemed like he was comfortable throwing outside, which would fit more of a guy like Josh yeah. Gordon um right I don't think Baker Mayfield is going to have any problems still continuing to hit Josh Gordon but I do expect them to have a better connection with Landry I think Landry will catch more passes um but I think Baker Mayfield's a smart enough quarterback and a good enough competitor and you know Josh Gordon is good enough that he's going to just say throw me the ball and I'll go up and get it And I think that's you know as a quarterback that's all you ask for so uh, I think Gordon is similar to like a DeAndre Hopkins that you just throw the ball up to him. Like if you just, if that's your, if your job is a quarterback of a team where he's on, you just throw the ball off, let him go. And you, you throw it up. And I think, I think he'll have plenty of time to do that. I think if Tyrod Taylor starts the year as a quarterback, I think Josh Gordon does really well. I expect big things from him because I do think Tyrod Taylor can throw that long ball. I think he's got the ability to you know take those kind of shots. He's a threat with his leg, So That can soften the defense up a little bit and allow them to take those big shots. They're going to run the ball a lot with Chubb and Carlos Hyde and dump them down to Duke Johnson. So a lot of ways they can stress the defense, and I expect that to mean good things for Josh Gordon. I would absolutely take him over over Amari Cooper. I'd take him over, um, like we talked about, Doug Baldwin. I would take him over Thielen. I think it gets interesting in Dynasty when you're talking about him or Stefan Diggs. I think that's real close. I might go Stefan Diggs just a little bit over him because I think, you know, there is maybe that little bit less risk of little bit less risk of the unknown and what happens off the field. So those are my my general thoughts on that. And uh if you want to add Amari Cooper into that, I I I agree with you that there's a lot of a lot of um a lot of variability there, but I, I, I put him down underneath him, and um, yeah, the one that's interesting is Ty Hilton among that group, who's kind of going right in that same mix because Hilton is so reliant on Andrew Luck being healthy and that shoulder being okay. And if he is, he's going to be he's going to be the one of the best picks in the draft. And if he's not, he's going to be one of the worst picks in the draft. I, there's not a lot of in between for for T Y Hilton, where do you do you see do you see Gordon as a better investment than Hilton, or you you think Hilton is a much better
2: investment at this point than Gordon is? I wouldn't say he's a much better investment. I, I think it's it's uh it's a close call, especially if you like you're saying with Tyrod Taylor. Taylor is definitely um, going to be a vert guy, where Gordon is just going to be running verticals you know, all game long. And that's sort of Tyrod Taylor's bread and butter. And he called it like with Sammy Watkins. That's why Sammy Watkins had such a great year that year. All he did was run a vertical route and Taylor just popped it up to him and he caught a touchdown. And if, if you translate that back into the Cleveland Browns and Taylor's that quarterback, then I could see easily massive numbers for for uh, Gordon, just like Sammy Watkins had uh, when he was with the Bills. So, and then if you switch that, of course, Baker Mayfield and uh, uh, Landry are are more incohesive. Um, I I see Landry, of course, running the ins and outs uh, during that. So, I don't see Mayfield going deep, very often at all. Um, So, it all depends on who's the quarterback there. Now, comparable to that then it could be easy. So if Mayfield's the quarterback, then I think Hilton over Gordon is easy. If if Taylor is the quarterback, then it's gonna really be a good competition between Gordon and Hilton. I I don't see any problems with luck this year uh being an issue. So I think I'd just go with, with Hilton um over over Gordon and just hope that luck is throughout the years uh healthy and this was just a a massive step back in his career and he moves forward without any troubles in that shoulder which you know i don't know it's kind of doubtful that he's going to be a hundred percent throughout the season but we'll see
1: i want to group uh these next three guys together and these guys are going in Number seventeen, number eighteen, and then number twenty-seven. So a little bit of distance between these these two guys, but I see him, I see all these guys kind of similarly. With one clearly has the better talent, but uh, all three changing teams this offseason. So brand new, brand new place for them to play. Brand new quarterbacks, new systems. Uh, Allen Robinson takes his talents up to Chicago. Brandon Cooks goes to his third team in three years over there with the rams joining goff and those characters out there and then sammy watkins going from los angeles goff going to patrick mahomes over there in kansas city so those three guys changing scenery who do you think fares the best as far as as far as um, getting up to speed quickly and developing a good rapport with their new quarterback. And what are your expectations? I assume you would have Sammy Watkins last behind those two guys, but kind of want to talk about them changing spots and, and uh, what your expectations were for them this year.
2: Yeah. Uh, wow. Alan Hearns with Chicago, I think is definitely going to be and then I think all of them, really. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to go with Watkins, just because golf is more of a. You know, he had the, the year and a half under him already, but it's hard to say Watkins because he's he playing on on the team between those two, the other two teams. His his receptions are more crowded with Cooper Cup and Higby and, you know, just you name it, they they have it. And so, he, of, of course, opportunities aren't going to be be there for him as much as it would be if he was playing on either one of those other two teams. That said, if Trubisky is on top of his game and is the quarterback everybody's hoping that he would be, then I definitely would, would pick Hearns because his opportunities are gonna be wide open. You know. Yeah. So Robinson, I'm sorry. Hurns is in um yeah. Robinson. Yeah. And then um then the of course you go to the other side and I think that Mahomes and um oh who is it? Mahomes and uh um, yeah, Watkins. Watkins. Is, so, uh, yeah, Cooks is in L.A., and Watkins is in uh, I, I, Kansas City. I screwed this all up, didn't I? Okay, yeah, Cooks <laughs> is in L.A., and he has all that. Watkins and, and Mahomes is a good fit because of, of Mahomes' arm and the fact that yeah. we were just talking about how well that uh, Watkins can go downfield. So, that's a great fit. It just, he, you know, what, what do we know about Mahomes, you know? So, it's. That's the that's the problem. There is if they can make that a great fit, and turning it into a great fit, and just not looking like it's on paper a great fit. Then I think Watkins is the number one. In other words, who the f knows? It's so complicated <laughs> that it, it, it could go one. One could be number one, the other one could be number three, and vice versa. By you know, in in just a few years, we just we just don't know. At least I don't know. It's it, that's it's such a great question that I don't think there's an answer to it. What, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes when you're investing in players like this, you're also investing in the quarterback. And if you ask me, you know, which one of these three quarterbacks would you want to invest in? Well, I know Jared Goff can make players fantasy relevant, and I know Brandon Cooks is really talented. So. You know, there's a little bit of hesitation when you talk about just Brandon Cooks because, yeah, he's on his third team in three years. And some, part of that means that the last two places he was, they didn't want him on the team anymore. But also, it also means that somebody else wanted him. So, I guess there's kind of some ups and downs about that. But I, I like Brandon Cooks. I like what he can do for that offense. Um, I think he, he becomes maybe a boom or bust type play. And I would expect him to have certain games where he gets 150 yards and a a touchdown or two, and then I expect him to have some games where he catches one pass for 19 yards and on three targets, and that's it. So I think he can be a little boomer bust. I think Watkins is very similar. Um, And the thing about Watkins that worries me a little bit, I think Watkins is immensely talented. What worries me a little bit is they've got a guy – very much like Watkins, already on that team. In Tyreek Hill, so Tyreek Hill's yeah. going to be running those deep routes. He's going to be, you know, hey, throw me the ball, Mahomes. Um, what, what, is, what does Watkins do better than better than uh, Tyreek Hill can do? Whereas with with Brandon Cook. There's nobody else like Brandon Cooks on that team. You like you mentioned, you got Cooper Cup, you got Tyler Higbee, you got those guys that can do a lot of great things underneath. Cooper Cup is going to be, to me, one of the premier slot receivers in the game, and going to be able to. I, I I'm all in on Cooper Cup this year, but there's nobody else on that team that does what Brandon Cooks does. Whereas you look at a guy like. Sammy Watkins, and he's got he's got a guy on his team already that can do what he does and and do it better. So, does he end up kind of fading away a, a little bit? And I, I I would take him third of this group. And Allen Robinson to me is the most talented, but I have the least trust in his quarterback out of those three. I Mitchell Trubisky could be anything. <laughs> I mean, he could be he could be the next year Goff that struggles in his first year and is great in his second year. But I don't know that I'd bet on it. Um, maybe you know, maybe one of those guys where maybe he's a little bit better in his third year, but I'm not sure. I would bet on it I since he's obviously been fantasy relevant with Blake Bortles, but I'm worried about the, that situation a little bit in Chicago. And maybe I'm maybe I'm proving that maybe ultimately that fear is for nothing. But I just get a little bit worried about that situation. And for his sake,
2: I hope it's I hope it works out really well so yeah i i, I think I think that that fear is is legitimate fear i you know i I could bank on that fear where I wouldn't be like, Oh well, that's just ridiculous um with that said i, I think that a lot of dolphins last year from Drabisky wasn't really on him it was more the fact that they just had him in in a tight constrained box and really just didn't want him to. Explore the the playbook, so they're going to open it up the playbook this year, and we'll we'll really get to see how good or not so good he is. But I I, th- I think that the, there's a legitimate fear there. I I'm I'm not sold on Trubisky at all. I, I you know I'm hoping he's going to be a, a good ball player, of course, but to say that he will be, to, to guarantee that, I can't do that. I I just don't know. I mean, he's he's definitely someone that has I. I so far he hasn't shown that he could put it together regardless of how constrained that offense is. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm a hundred
1: percent in on that. And I'm um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how that plays out. I mean, Allen Robinson's still just 24 years old, obviously coming off that ACL injury yep. and, you know, but excited to see, I'm, I'm, I loved him in Jacksonville. i Acquired him everywhere, so
0: <laughs>
1: I am pulling for him as much as I guess anybody else is. So, um, what about a couple of aging guys that maybe are getting towards the back end of their career? They're you're going twenty twenty one and twenty two right now, so still kind of in that back end wide receiver two range. Larry Fitzgerald, Demarius Thomas, Alshon Jeffrey. Very similar guys, like in terms of their, you know, where they are in their career. I guess maybe Larry a little bit later, but uh, probably the better fantasy producer of the three. But what do you think about these three guys? What are your expectations for them this year? And uh, of the three, how would you order them in priority for drafting? Yeah, well, I definitely would have to
2: probably go with Larry Fitzgerald as. The last guy, unless you're trying to win this year, uh, just because I think he's—I don't. Has he mentioned that this was going to be his last year? I think, but I'm not 100% sure. Either case, it's it's closing in. It's either this year or next year. I don't see him playing much more than that. Uh, also, yeah. Jeffrey is definitely my favorite. I think the way he played last year, uh, the way he. Played with Nick Foles, who's probably going to be the starting quarterback for at least a couple weeks, uh and you know, then then once he's done, then Carson Wentz steps in, and he also had a great rapport with him too. So, and then who was the third one? uh Damaris Thomas. Damaris Thomas, yeah, he's he's not thin if he's rough too. Um, I think a lot depends on how well Case Keenum can actually run an offense and be the starting quarterback. And know he's the starting quarterback and have that pressure on him. If if he can deliver well, then uh, Damaris Thomas should should be just fine. But as career wise, he's sort of you know also coming to an end. Um, but I definitely think he has a lot longer shelf life than Larry Fitzgerald does. So I would I would put Jeffrey just because at number one, just because he's shown that him and Foles and uh Wentz can work together and then uh Thomas at two and then of course uh Fitzgerald at one. Now if you're looking to win this year in your dynasty league I like Fitzgerald number one, Jeffrey number two and Thomas number three. The very end of that list. I am Whoa. not as okay. Yeah,
1: i just put him at the end, man. I'm not as sold on him. I Some of that might be because I needed like 1.3 points from him in the championship game last year to win one of my matchups, and he uh, got zero catches for zero yards. So <laughs> I got nothing from him in week 16. So could just be out of spite. But also, I think most people would be surprised to hear that he did not even have 800 yards receiving last year, played all 16 games and managed 57 catches for 789 yards. What he did have was nine touchdowns and that really helped his fantasy numbers, obviously, but we know touchdowns are the least predictable stat when you look at past performance, predicting future performance. So I, now this is going to blow your mind he caught 57 uh, passes. He had 120 targets. He caught less than 50% of the targets for the Eagles. Yeah. And there has been a lot of buzz on him this year, but I've got him in one spot and I am trying to trade him because I don't know that, that his value is going to continue to go up now. They don't have a ton of options there. They got Aguilar. They've got Mike went out and got in the offseason, So maybe, maybe uh, there's maybe there's something there. I doubt it, but maybe Aguilar takes a step up. Um, so you know, but maybe they don't, and maybe he gets a chance to lead the team in targets again. But when you're catching less than fifty percent of your targets, and you know you're, you know that's a really tough. That's a tough sell for me as a guy that's taken as a number two wide receiver. He had good quarterback play in a good system last year and still could not manage more than that. I, I don't know, man, I'm scared off of him. And there are a heck of a lot of guys much lower on this list, on, on this list and much lower in these rankings that I would take over him.
2: Wow. Um Okay, I'm 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 definitely listening here. Um, what now? Who would you who who would you take below him or above him? That's below him. Okay, so
1: the first name below him is Jarvis Landry. I would absolutely take him over Alshon Jeffrey. Then. It's Golden Tate, and I would take Golden Tate over him. Marvin Jones, is an interesting one. I don't know about Marvin Jones, mostly because I'm not 100% sold on him um, either. Man, Will Fuller is interesting, who's he right behind him. I would probably take a chance on Will Fuller. Sammy Watkins I would take. Devon Punch- Devin Punches I would not. Crabtree, Crabtree's close. But I look at Corey Davis, I would take Corey Davis. I would yeah. take. I would take Robert Woods. I would take Cooper Cup. I would take. I take a chance on Devontae Parker. Uh, interesting is maybe the Jamison Crowder. Um, I, I got to be honest with you. I might take Marquise Goodwin. That might sound crazy, but I like Marquise Goodwin a lot this year. And if I was, if I was to put together a trade, and I offered someone Alshon Jeffrey for. Marquise Goodwin plus something. You you probably could get Goodwin plus something for him. Uh yeah, I would do that. I if I could get assuming I can get something there. I'm just I'm not Austin Jeffrey's twenty eight years old. He's not getting better. I I'm not I'm not in on I am really low on him, obviously.
2: Yeah, I was gonna ask you how you feel about Austin Jeffrey, but
1: <laughs> uh, I guess I don't need to answer question <laughs> now. Would you take him or Corey Davis? I'd take Corey
2: Davis. Yeah,
1: yeah, Corey Davis. Yeah, me
2: too. Heartbeat. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's, no, um, there's no down my mind. I, I love Corey Davis. I think just watching him play last year, oh, my goodness. The dude is going to blow it off the, the map. I mean, it, the way you're – Talking, you you probably could get Corey Davis and uh, somebody with for Alshon Jeffrey right now. Um, so, yeah, you could sell Alshon Jeffrey for for quite a bit and get a lot more in return. I think. Um, yeah. So. I, think no, so. I wouldn't mind like playing you know, I think... next. Say again. Good. Uh, I was just going to say, I I wouldn't mind playing that game as far as making uh, um, Alshon Jeffrey available in trades and selling him off just because of all the things you're saying. And on top of that, you're probably going to get a lot more in return than what you're giving up. Yeah, to me, there are
1: certain points where you say, gosh, I don't understand why the public likes this person as much as they do. And there are some examples of that. And he's one that I'm – I'm not sure why the public likes him quite as much um, as they do. He was he was very frustrating to own last year. Now, if he still continues to get those targets, I would. I mean, I would guess he would be better than 57 catches. But you know, I I, I don't really want to. I'd rather that be somebody else's gamble and somebody else's bet. Um, now, one that I said that uh, might be a little a little bit crazy is what do you think about him versus Robert
2: Woods? Yeah, that, I I would have to go with Alshon over, over Robert Woods. Uh, yeah, I just think there's too many options in that offense for Woods to really stand out, but is Alshon Jeffrey really standing out, even though there's only him, Aguilar and Ertz, you know, it, so, um, I don't know. I I don't think I'd pull that trade. It's just something. Maybe it's just name recognition or or something. But something's definitely tentative about me saying that I would take Woods over over uh, Alston Jeffrey.
1: Yeah, and you you're probably right. I mean, ultimately at the end, at, at the end of the day, I would not I would not be surprised at all if that ends up looking stupid, But there are just certain times where I look at guys and I and I look a little bit deeper in the numbers and I think. Man, this is just this is a sign of somebody who, you know, when when somebody's getting a lot of targets and they don't have as many catches, that makes me wonder. First, I think was it, you know, was Blake Bortles throwing them the ball, (laughs) and then or was Brock Osweiler throwing them the ball? And once once the answer is no to that question, then the question is, well, what's the problem? Are is it bad passes? Uh, I would guess with Philadelphia, it's not. Then you say, is he not getting separation and you know he's getting up to 28 years old. He may be struggling to gain the same kind of separation he was getting before, and perhaps not. But you know, maybe maybe that's ultimately the problem for him. So I don't know. Just my take. Take it for what it's worth. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm not as I'm not as sold on Alshon Jeffrey. So sell, sell,
2: sell. Yeah, I would. I mean, actually, you. Uh, I had no idea he had uh, that many lesser catches than I originally thought. I thought he was up in the 80 range, and obviously that's not the case. I'd I'd like to know, as you mentioned, what his congested catch rate is because he obviously can go up and get the ball. That's something that he's – and he has the talent. It's just why isn't he um, producing on the field where he should be, so – it could be that right. he's not running good routes and getting the separation, or or what. But yeah, it's it's definitely intriguing.
1: I uh, I agree. And um, what about a couple of uh, interesting guys that that are teammates there in Detroit? Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. Uh, Matthew Stafford probably doesn't get the love that he deserves. I think we talked about him a lot when we talked about quarterbacks. He he seems to always throw for forty five hundred yards or so every year and these two, these two wide receivers are probably going to be his top wide receivers. I say probably because there's also that little guy, Kenny Galladay, that's out there that could uh, yeah. uh-huh. could factor in and have something to say about it. But do you expect these two guys, Golden Tate and Marvin Jones, to put up wide receiver two or higher end wide receiver three numbers, or do you think Kenny takes a chunk out of their production and brings the whole ship down in terms of, you know, maybe not, maybe not having as fantasy a, a contributor on the wide receiver
2: out of Detroit as we're used to happen. If you're looking strictly at PPR, I think Golden Tate is your he's your guy there no matter what. I I think he's just going to catch a lot of a lot of passes. Um, Marvin Jones, you know, also is someone that that is probably more of a threat to Golden Tate than. Then Kenny Galladay. I think Kenny Galladay is your guy if you're looking at best ball leagues or if you're looking at distance leagues. He's going to catch a lot of long touchdown passes, but he's not going to be someone that is going to be running the ins and outs. He's going to be someone who's going to be running the verts. And so, with that said, you have to you have to go. Okay, well, he's not going to catch that many passes, but he's going to catch some touchdowns, and they're going to be long ones. So. That's how you win in best ball, and that's how you win in distance leagues. Not how you win in Peter four con- or standard leagues. Um, go ahead. Four consecutive years for Golden
1: Tate catching over 90 passes. Four consecutive years, right there in uh, in Detroit. That's a really that's a really consistent, just you know, the kind of guy that you look at and say, um, "Man, I love what I'm going to get out of him." Um, you know Marvin Jones is, is a little different. What about
2: Marvin? What, what do you what do you
1: expect from him?
2: Yeah, he he's the one that that is a good I would say three wide receiver. Golden Tate. The problem with Golden Tate, he's just not going to catch the touchdowns and the yards. I think that's the biggest difference between like Julio Jones. Why why he's so much farther down than Julio Jones is because with Julio Jones they're probably going to score as many as much touchdowns they're probably going to score four to six touchdowns but Julio Jones is going to be upwards in the 90s the high 90s and mid to high 90s and it's going to be up in the you know 1200 1100 1200 yards where Golden Tate's going to be in the low 90s and you know 900 to a thousand yards so that's why you see that big drop but if, if you didn't have if Golden Tate could put more could catch at least two or three more touchdowns. You're looking at a guy that could be like the number five wide receiver, five to ten receiver uh, out there. So as far as he's going, dro- dropping or I shouldn't say dropping, but where he is, uh, I love Golden Tate. I think he's such a great value that uh, it would be hard for me to pass up. Um, and like you said, four straight years, and they're all with Sam. Sam Bradford, not Sam Bradford, but Matthew Stafford, and um, why not? So, I, I, I really like Golden Tate. He's one of those guys that just doesn't get much respect and much love from fantasy owners just because he's not, you know, flashy. So, I love those guys.
1: I'm uh, 100% with you on that. I, I'm looking through this list and realizing there are so many wide receivers to talk about. We might need to have to do a third week on wide receivers what do you think about that
2: yeah let's do that uh just because we're like midway through <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah we got so a lot many. to go
1: because <laughs> we're you know we're at you know getting into
2: the wide receiver three
1: range and I'm looking down and you know like the guys right here in this range Devin Funches, Michael Crabtree there's there's, here's Corey Davis. We talked a little bit about him already, but there's Julian Edelman, Robert Woods, Chris Hogan, Cooper Cups, Jordy Nelson. Sure. You got Pierre Garçon over there. You know, there's a lot, Emmanuel Sanders, Avante Parker, Marquise Goodwin. There's a lot of guys that really deserve a little bit of, a little bit more attention and even, you know, getting down, that's not even, we haven't even talked about any of the rookies yet. We haven't dug into, you know, some of the more interesting um, lower end guys that could, could have an impact this year. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind talking a little bit about Jordan Matthews even at, at some point, but, yeah, like, I'm scrolling down. There's just so many of these these guys down here that I would love to talk about,
2: and, um, and I think we're going to need I a third week. I think it would week. be also perfect, too, because I wasn't going to say it because I didn't want to jinx it like I jinxed the, the last guest for – I don't know what in the world happened there, but uh, – <sighs> Hopefully, cross fingers, we're going to have J.J. Burden, uh, NFL, uh, Kansas City, Atlanta Falcon wide receiver coming on. Um, oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah, so uh, that would play wide receiver. And what better way to do uh, a third week than have a guest that played wide receiver?
1: There you go, man. I, I love it. Um You want to talk about a couple more and then we've probably got about 10 minutes and um, left in the show, but you want to see if we can get through some more, more of these guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's uh, clear some guys. What do you think about Devin Funchess,
1: man? I'm really, I've never been a fan of his talent. Like I just never thought that that guy is, um, you know, one of the top 50 talented wide receivers in the league, you know, coming, he was a tight end and, you know, seemed like he had an okay year last year, but uh, seemed like it was mostly when Greg Olson was hurt that he kind of came on a little bit. So then they go out in the offseason, they add tory Smith, they've they've got DJ Moore, there are some people who are believers in Curtis Samuels still. Um, but, man, this is a group that I don't know that I like very much at all. What do you think about Devin Funches? Do you think he... He had eight hundred and forty yards last year. do you think he's he he's a b a better bet for going less than eight forty or more than eight forty this year
2: yeah i I see eight forty as the ceiling, so I'm gonna go with less just because of the fact that i'm I've never really been a big fan of devin funches uh the last time I was a fan of Funches was when he was playing for michigan so uh that was a that was a while ago, and he hasn't really. His biggest his biggest drawback is the fact that he's slow, but he's big. So he's he's a tweener. He's too big to play tight end, and he's too slow to play wide receiver. So it, when you have that combination, then it's just going to be really difficult for him to to produce on the field. And the the plus the fact we're talking about filling up offensive personnel with Carolina, you have all these guys there that can catch the ball, and that's going to, of course, distract away from any opportunities he has. And then on top of that, you have Newton running the ball. Uh, I just I just don't see Funches having an opportunity, even if he was talented enough, to uh, get 843 yards and catch any more than, like, 60 passes is, is that. So I'm going to definitely sit under on that. He is 24 years
1: old. Pretty amazing to think that he's only 24. Um, feels like he's, like, on his way out of the league almost. I know that's not true, but that's yeah. kind of the way. Seems, seems like he's, he's on his last leg. But, uh, no, he's a 24-year-old wide receiver. And um, a guy, you know, significantly older than him is going right behind him. 30-year-old Michael Crabtree changing teams this season, going from the Oakland Raiders over to the Baltimore Orioles. On the one hand, I can make a case that Michael Crabtree and his 618 yards last year were really disappointing. On the other hand, I can say, well, everybody in Oakland was really disappointing last year, and that was kind of par for the course for that offense. And then even on the other other hand, I can say, I don't know that Baltimore is going to be that much of an upgrade if Joe Flacco is the quarterback, which probably is, going to happen so really curious to see you know how that works out but what do you think about Michael Crabtree and his new team there in Baltimore
2: yeah you know well last time that happened uh I can't remember who it was last year that went over there and then I had a lot of uh I thought we would would have been a great fit for Joe Flacco uh the guy from Kansas City that came from Kansas City uh um, no, um, oh no, he went to the Eagles, um um
1: yeah. oh uh, macklin, macklin,
2: macklin, thank you, yeah, Jeremy Macklin, and he flamed out, and Michael Crowdtree is sort of the same kind of receiver that macklin is, so if Macklin doesn't do well, and of course, they are different receivers and everything they but they're very much possession kind of guys and I just don't see it happening with Crabtree either. I, it's just hard for me to, to say that, okay, Macklin couldn't do it, but Crabtree can. You know, it doesn't make much sense to me. So um, I'm willing to give it another shot. I, I, I'm a big fan of Michael Crabtree, especially in PPR leagues, but I, I just I just don't see it working out.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you. You know, gosh, there's so much potential in this offense, and – I don't know. Maybe I'm the biggest Joe hater in the world. I you know, I don't usually see myself as that, but I do think he's the most boring quarterback in the world. Um, man, John Brown is there who has all the talent in the world. I like Willie Sneed. Uh you know, don't necessarily think Rashad Perryman's ever gonna amount to the talent that he has, but man, if you could if you could Unlock some of the potential and some of these guys. There, there are pieces there. So, a lot of work, a lot of work um, to do there in Baltimore. But uh, Michael Crabtree, hopefully, hopefully, will bounce back and have a good year with uh, Lamar Jackson. So that's that, that's my hope there. But uh, what about you? You you went on about Corey Davis. Um, Corey Davis is obviously he was the number one wide receiver in in drafts last year in um in rookie drafts last year he is over there in Tennessee he's got Marcus Mariota throwing him the ball there's a lot to like about Corey Davis he I guess you could say he had a rough start to his career 34 catches 375 yards he has yet to score a receiving touchdown um so I expect that to change fairly quickly. But why are you expecting such a huge
2: jump for Corey Davis in year two? Well, a lot of last year he was injured, and that's a problem. I also think Mariota just didn't have a very good year. Not that I expect him to have a tremendous year ever in his career. I think he's an average quarterback. But I do think that he's going to have a better year. And just his athletic ability, the way – he, rem- of course, you know. Here's this old cliche, but um, I'm gonna say it anyways. He reminds me of, uh, a lot of Randy Moss. Of course, he's not Randy Moss, and there's your cliche. Um, but yeah, he's he, the, just his outlet The way he, the, first he's tall, right? I, I can't, I can't remember how tall exactly he is, but he's like six three, and the way he can move his body and contort his body and just make catches. And if you watch a game tape of early Randy Moss and you put on Corey Davis, you're going to see a lot of athletic ability that are correlated. And I just, it it all rides on Mariota's shoulders, of course, because he's got to get him the ball, but he's going to help Mariota a lot. And I just think we're in, in, going to be in for a big year this year with, with Corey Davis and, I'm pretty excited to see him perform as long as he doesn't perform well against the Colts in those two games. So <laughs> other than that Bye. I think he's a he's a great a great should be a great addition to to your team if you're drafting right now.
1: Yeah, well from a six foot three wide receiver and I, I agree with you by the way, I'm all in on Corey Davis, from a six three wide receiver to a ten wide receiver who is very much on the downslope of his career. I'm going to make this really easy on my end. I'm going to say sell, 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 get out while you can. But do you have any hope at all that Julian Edelman produces a really good season for you and your fantasy team this year?
2: It's going to be hard this year. It really is, and how how much longer is Edelman going to really even play the game? So. It's obviously missing four games because that got upheld. It's going to really crush his value this year, and then you know, I just injuries and have been piling up on him. And Tom Brady is on his. Even if he can play another five years, he's not going to uh, play another five years. This year, he might be his last. I guarantee, if the Patriots go out as Super Bowl winners, I don't think Tom Brady is coming back next year. So, with even even if that's the case, and Edelman is is playing, uh, who's going to be the quarterback in New England? So, I just, yeah, I, to me, he's just not worth the time or effort unless you can get him on the cheap, cheap, and then then go with it. But other than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy him at his at his ADP value. Well, what, what do you think? What do you think about Edelman here? So I want to talk a little bit about the Patriots as a
1: whole. I I'm all out. On, I'm all out on Edelman. Like coming back from the injuries he's coming back from, and 32 years old. No thank you. I uh, you know ACL injuries for a guy that needs elite level uh, quick twitch agility. No no thanks. I'm not. I'm not interested in investing in that guy at all. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about the Patriots while we're here on this. And we got a couple minutes. But one of the reasons why I'm excited about Jordan Matthews is because I'm down Edelman. I'm not sure he's going to make very much um, of a difference there in New England this year. I think he's going to have a hard time hard time separating than he ever has. Chris Hogan, if you told me uh, two days ago that Chris Hogan was going to be 30 years old during the season this year, I would have called you a liar. I did not think he was, yeah. he was that old, but yeah, he was born in 1988. Yeah. He's going to be 30 years old during the course of uh, turn in October this year, um, which leaves a pretty big hole for the future wide receiver core. And there's Jordan Matthews, who's obviously always had immense talent, but been up and down in terms of actual production. Uh, And then there's Malcolm Mitchell. There is your old boy here, Philip Dorsett. And then hanging around somehow is Kenny Britt and Cordero Patterson. Uh, Don't have much expectation there. Is there anybody on this list that is interesting to you that you would buy on? Or are you, you know, it's almost like I can make a case to be out on the entire wide receiver core for the Patriots overall.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's the only case that I can make is if you're if you're looking to win now. Other than that, there's no value in any of those guys as far as I'm concerned just because, as you said, I, I really didn't know about Chris Hogan either. That was kind of surprising. Uh, so, with all those guys, Jordan Matthews, he looks like he's buried on the depth chart. So, I don't know why, but... He's not getting any any value, and with Tom Brady retiring in a couple of years at the most, and yeah, I, I really don't see any kind of value whatsoever in any of these guys as far as dynasty goes.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I'm. I, it's a really interesting thing to think about, and um, maybe it's crazy, but uh, maybe that makes me second guess Tom Brady this year as well, and. Um, you know, I'm not going to say doom and gloom for him because I think uh, I'm never saying that again. I said it a couple of years ago. <laughs> Clearly I was wrong. And, you know, I, hey, take him as long as he's willing to play. But uh, I, this is this is going to be his worst wide receiver core in, in a long time. It's been a long time since it's been quite this bad for his wide receivers there. So,
2: um,
1: yeah. yeah, I – You know, and and there's all these questions about Gronkowski, but you Mm -hmm. know, you still expect for Gronk to give you give you something. Dwayne Allen hasn't produced as much as you would like. You know, I guess he's going to be dumping off to James White and Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead. I guess that's maybe the best best thing that he can do there. But um, yeah, with that, I guess that's uh, we're up against the end of our time here. As always, certainly enjoy. You. Glad we're going to get a chance to dig in a little bit more on some of these wide receivers next week, and certainly hope you have
2: a good week, man. Thank you. You too, Cal. As, as always, it's great to garner the knowledge that you got. I really appreciate it, and um, take it easy. We'll we'll definitely pick this up next week, and hopefully, we'll get JJ Burden on and uh, and get yeah. a guest going for you guys. That'd be really good. So, all
1: right, man. Have a good week, and uh, I'll, we will see you guys. Uh, next week for the next episode of Dynacast. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Bye.